Hello and welcome to the Football Collective Podcast. The Football Research Podcast highlighting members of the collective, their research and all football related things in their life. To say football's become big business would probably be an understatement now. Football and their clubs, it's starting to become more of a branding thing. Our next guest on this podcast is probably an expert within the field and we're really lucky to have him on. Um, so without further ado, I'll let you introduce yourself. We have Mr Jeff McCarthy. How are you, Jeff? I'm good, thanks, Josh. It's great, to have, it's great to have you on. Thank you for giving up your time, first of all. Um, so for no especially, especially for me and the other people that will be listening to this, can you tell us a bit more about yourself, your background, um, what's led you to get into academia and uh, why you ended up joining the football collective in the first place? Yeah, I think the... Um the thing that kind of initially got me involved in this whole area is from a personal point of view I've always been interested in sport followed footy um, I kind of you know got taken to Liverpool games as a kid um, by my dad and stuff like that particularly the European nights and kind of just being plonked on top of a barrier and just being bounced up and down it and stuff like that mm-hmm. during the game um, and uh, yeah kind of Years later, when I um, I was an undergrad here, like donkeys years ago, um, and it ends up a number of years later, about 2003, setting up my own agency. Um, and we specialised in kind of digital marketing and digital catalogues. And um, Everton Football Club was the, the, the kind of first um, club to 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 effectively take a um, a punt on doing some of those for their international catalogue. Um, the job went brilliantly, you know, really positive results, and it became a case of other clubs then wanting to find out who'd done it for them and, and, and do, to do something like that themselves. So, in a nutshell, over the time of running that uh, agency, I think we were working with about, um, it was certainly over 30, I think over 35 um, football clubs uh, across the different leagues, all kind of UK based. So, you know, Premiership, Football League clubs, um, Scottish clubs as well. And, uh, yeah, I just always had a... That was great because it combined two passions of sport and digital marketing. Um, And then I was looking at just basically, you know, getting more qualifications. Uh, The only kind of masters that were available and relatively interesting to me at the time were a digital marketing one that I'd been asked to help out with the teaching on uh, and training. So I looked around to see what else could be done and it became obvious that sort of a, a PhD or a Master's by Research would be the way because that offered me complete flexibility on what my subject was. Um, and again, at that time, uh, loads of football clubs were, you know, watching general trends that were happening with social media, not sure what to do. It was obvious that it was going to become a big, big factor um, in communication, um, and for me that was the obvious route to you know to go down for a PhD because um, it was also new, embryonic, um, and it was clear it was going to be different how different clubs you know would, would embrace it and then handle it as they as they developed uh, their expertise. So um, yeah, I wasn't far off done with the PhD, and then. Uh, in mid-2013, I uh, kind of crashed with Lyme disease and like chronic illness. So for more or less four and a half, five years, I had to suspend it. Um, anyway, I've got much more actively involved in it again from kind of November, January 
um, onwards. Been doing loads of interviews recently, and I'm very much kind of you know progressed massively on that now. Um, and getting more actively involved in the football collective because of that, you know, made sense to me. Um, I've now got something to hopefully uh, input, you know, that will be of of value and equally. Uh, I hope to help other people in the group as well. That's brilliant to hear that you're doing well uh, and you're back in, into your research. So you're saying you are back engaged with your PhD and you're doing it. Are you all right just to give us a, a sneak preview of what that might be without giving too much away? Obviously your supervisor might not be too happy with you if you give too much away, so just for his uh, health. But uh, So can you yeah just tell us a bit about your PhD and uh, how you're getting on and probably how far off you are of it now? Yeah, the... Um Basically, the PhD is looking at uh, social media and football. It's kind of like the outline title of it um, is, you know, social media, friends or foe of the football club. Um, but clearly, so that, that's the context that I've done this in, um, and it's UK football clubs. So, you know, back at the beginning, um, the main thing was to identify, amongst others, you know, one of the key areas that came out of that was you know the, the challenges that football were facing and the opportunities they had attached to social media at that time um, and a number of them kind of linked to you know from marketers perspective this is fine to tell because it's published anyway um, and um, spoken about and equally you know the terrain has moved on a hell of a lot since but at the beginning they were kind of I suppose marketers in football clubs were a little worried that here was a great communication tool potentially or platform uh, and channel you know in terms of wider social media and they will they didn't want it to become over commercialized i.e you know um constantly trying to sell product basically it was clearly from their point of view a communication um opportunity and yeah you know over the years um and even since i had to obviously suspend that you know we've seen changes in the way football clubs tend to develop their tone of voice um, publicly, you know, how they might or might not engage with their fans in terms of encouraging dialogue, the extent to which they do get involved in that dialogue, um, and just the sheer kind of speed in which that's moved. So looking back at it now, in many ways, it's actually been quite handy that there has been a gap because I'm very much looking at how things have evolved where they are now compared to, you know, the very early kind of, um, I suppose, lack of understanding and uh, um, kind of insight in terms of how it was work that was there at the very beginning. So it's, it's a great contrast, actually. So it's exploring, you know, what football clubs those do from their approach to social media. So I suppose like the strategy and the tactics around that, um, what drives that, how it helps them by way of... Um, new identity with the club and um, obviously part of that is, is you know like attachment to the club as a brand although I hate using the word brand in sport because clearly for, for, for fans that's not what it's about do you not believe that uh, football clubs have become brands now though um, if, we're, yeah, if we're talking yeah. about that um, yeah absolutely I think like you said on the intro um, it's big business you know it's, it's been big business and just very rapidly growing in that sense uh, since the Premier League was set up and since the 
if you like the football pyramids have sort of kind of adapted that if you think of like the parachute payments the TV rights the way the clubs um, and football league and uh, premiership and so on uh, negotiate those now you know the, the broadcasting revenues globally um, and the opportunity for clubs to reach and you know properly get um involved with international audiences you know let alone recruiting the next generation of fans and things then yeah it's definitely you know they are brands uh, like it or love it kind of thing it's just that I think a lot of the time fans themselves um, don't like to be sort of as kind of customers of a football brand so an interesting uh, insight that I'd seen on LinkedIn according to Stephen Bork via the Sports Business Institute of Barcelona there was a direct correlation from the the sponsorship revenue from the World Cups from 2002 up to 2014, and then this this last World Cup, it's just dropped off again. But it seems like social media is such a bigger part of even society as a wider concept in 2018 than it was in 2014. Has has social media got anything to do with the the lack of sponsorship revenue? Are people starting to use the the social media route of free advertising is, is did, can you see any correlation between that yourself? Um, I don't know because the, a lot of in terms of from the football club perspective, a lot of them use the like their their reach, for example, across social media as as one of the factors that will influence um, the decision of a sponsor to come on board or not, and you know what what whatever deal commercial deal they agree to. Um, between the club and that, that sponsoring organisation in terms of um, the fee, what access to the social media platforms of the club, um, you know, the, the, like the amount of, for example, uh, mentions on Facebook uh, posts or tweets and so on per week, per month, and um, whatever. So it's kind of used as an inherent part of the deal. I don't know whether just the wider audience... Um, I mean, sponsors go where attention is, you know, and they, they will go, um, they will, the, the, the money follows where audience attention is, so if anything, um, it might just be that the, the money starts to be, I suppose, allocated in different ways, um, and I very much think of, uh, like, paid social potentially as part of that as well, you know, that's increasingly the way that um, certainly on Facebook, for example, example, sorry, the algorithms are almost forcing brands to use um, and go down the route of a lot more paid content. Um, so I'd expect it to, you know, to maybe just be simply a kind of allocation of budgets going elsewhere. So, especially for for myself and a few people that might be listening to this, I've I've not really got a clue about how social media can be used by clubs or let's say brands how the influence of people looking at it and what sort of channels and what sort of hits or when the time people are looking at stuff, how do they use that to their effect and what do they use it for? And Can you just give us a bit more of an insight into that? Well, I think those seem to get... So if you're looking at it from the point of view of the... You know, if you're a sponsor of a football club, um, that audience and that affinity with that club, you know, you're hoping to drive uh, you know the audience um, both kind of 
very very loyal fans who might be local who will go you know to every game might you know some might go to every single away match and so on through to international stroke global fans who just follow the club sort of support them but from the, the, the perspective of just like the broadcasting only, you know, they can't physically get to the game, for example. They might subscribe to like the internet TV provision as well, um, or they might just be, you know, a fan by way of kind of someone who follows the uh, Twitter feed and just constantly gets the match updates on a on a match day, you know, whether that's a Wednesday evening or Saturday afternoon or whatever it is. And, um, those brands are just looking to access that audience and sort of use the affinity with the club in some ways to positively shape that and to maybe get, you know, a percentage of people to spend with them in some way. But the ones who seem to get most value out of that, um, which again, I know is something that, you know, clubs that do this well, very much encourage and facilitate is to make it have some relevance to the audience. So it's no good just talking about like a, um, yeah, like a food partner, it might be like a local pie and pasty company, something that's sponsoring the club. It's you know they, they they need to link something about that agreement to like the match day or some kind of offer on that match day. You know to get those products at a discounted rate or arrive early and you'll get like free drink with it or something. You know whatever that is. Um, it might be that um, it's a finance partner and they're providing some kind of um, incentive for fans based on um you know you register and you are entered into a competition to for like a prize that money can't buy whether that's like a you know a signed ball or meeting some of the players after the, the, the game or, or something like that you know rather than a product that can just be bought um so the more it's kind of relevant to football you know and, and if you like the the entertainment the product um in some way the better if it's just a sponsorship agreement and it's literally just almost two separate parties that are associated by the agreements only but not doing anything around football um, beyond saying that the, the sponsors and they're associated in that way you know, there's not going to be as much benefit out of it at all so, so I think there's yeah. a lot a lack of gen kind of credible research and evidence that says categorically that you know through sponsoring with a club, um, it changes behaviour or it leads to X, X number of recruits of customers for that sponsoring organisation. I think that's a little bit, um, well, that's been a perennial issue in a way. You know, you can't categorically state that now, but again, whether we can maybe measure that a bit more through social media analytics uh, as we as they get more sophisticated, that might help show the, the link between the influence and buyer behaviour maybe. So, the, especially the last transfer uh, market, we saw a lot of these videos and very elaborate ways to announce things and a lot of different... So, say, for instance, like Bristol City's gifts, they went viral because people were laughing. And, but then it seemed like, especially the transfer market, people were trying to outdo each other with videos and people were putting more money into it. Uh, a personal favourite of mine was the Southampton one that was really that elaborate for no reason and they just kind of took the mick out of everybody else for it but is there now a battle off the field as well as on it to have these elite clubs let's say the big six in the prem to have the best social media and will that affect um, anything else that goes on within the season is how important has social media now become to the big clubs and is nailing it vital 
short answer yes um, and yes uh, it, it, it kind of clubs of any level seem to benchmark themselves against who they regard their key competition as so for example as you know Manchester City have become ever more successful there competition becomes um, not just for example Manchester United and Liverpool for argument's sake it will include probably Real Madrid and Barcelona because they're, they're now seen as a global club, club who are looking to be successful you know, on the Champions League stage as well um, and it's not just a mess domestic so from that perspective there is a battle in terms of I suppose numbers um, and we saw it recently with uh, Real Madrid Sorry, Real Madrid and uh, Barca in terms of you know their YouTube um, kind of figures, um, the first to get to a given benchmark, and they were clearly putting money in trying to arrive at that at the first place. So there's definitely competition as far as that's concerned. Equally, I think pretty much you know every single club I've spoken to that I'm aware of anyway, outside of you know the PhD. Um, and equally, that you just follow from an interest perspective, that they're all trying to do something that adds a kind of personality and a bit of tone of voice to, to you know what the club are and who what they represent and that. Um, and I think social media gives them the opportunity to add a bit of humour, a bit of tongue in cheek, maybe having a joke at themselves or doing it in a in a light-hearted way at some of their rival clubs, um, just to get that word of mouth spreading and. You know, in many ways, that's helping them in some way, uh, I suppose, fight for the attention of the next generation of fans. And, and clearly, you know, that, that younger generation, as well as a lot of the older as well, but, you know, massively on board with social, and that's the world that they live in. Instagram is becoming far more popular with clubs. They're finding that very, very useful in terms of growth and getting the visual message across and getting engagement. Um and you know they, they they continue to monitor what's happening in terms of different you know is what's the next social media platform that's going to be beneficial for them you know how is that growing do they test something out on Snapchat or don't they how is that compared to if you like the more uh, homogenous platforms like Facebook and so on so they, they they'll have their existing fan base but they're also using socials as a means of um, being able to communicate and reach a much wider audience who they hope to put it crudely, you know, to, to monetize to some extent in terms of turning them into customers in some way. So, the TV rights in the Premier League have now changed again. Amazon have jumped on board, they've bought the block of 20 games from 2019 onwards, and mm -hmm. it's almost becoming a little bit farcical. But how come the big social media platforms like your Facebook and Twitter they don't seem to be putting any interest in there, um, especially onto the, the side side? Uh, projects like Twitch or maybe YouTube. What? Why is that? Do you, Do you think that we could see in the next five to ten years, will Will social media be the place where football's watched, or do you think they'll just stay out of it completely? Um, I can't see that they'll stay out of it completely because, again, you know, it's whoever you know, whether it's traditional broadcasters, whether it's um more recent broadcasters, for example, you know, um, streaming like Amazon, Netflix and so on, um, they will go where the attention is to reach an audience and where there's demand for, you know, a product and it, 
you know, the figures are mind-boggling as they keep escalating, and you wonder when it will come to a point that it, you know, it doesn't grow anymore. But um, I'd be amazed if social media platforms, be it Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, or something, um, we're not going to get actively involved. Now, whether that's under their, um, like, paying to them, you know, like YouTube Music, music are now starting to come yeah. out and sort of filter their product a little bit like that and differentiate it in some way. It could be for argument's sake. I don't see any reason why there wouldn't necessarily be YouTube football um, or sport. Whether or not um, it's YouTube themselves or whether, you know, quite clearly... It, there's the opportunity for clubs to do that themselves because they're effectively becoming broadcasters um, in their own right. You know, in some ways they use social like that where they've got the rights to release certain bits of footage from games and things and behind the scenes. And I, I fully expect um, clubs themselves to be doing their own um, broadcasting via any platforms that are. Um, getting the attention, you know, for example, Facebook uh, or YouTube or Instagram, um, and it might be that people like fans subscribe to that one alone. It just so happens that the platform is Facebook, you know, but the product and the rights and the payments are mainly being driven by the the club who's acting as a broadcaster in their own rights. It's just that they're using that technology, that platform, to deliver it. I'd be amazed if that doesn't start to happen very soon. Uh, it's interesting you say that and when we spoke before the podcast one of the things you mentioned was uh, pace of change and the way that everything is changing uh, what what do you predict in terms of the changes we, we see they keep finding new ways to innovate but do you think it will keep innovating do you think it will stagnate especially in terms of football uh, what changes will we see in the next again five to ten years I think the Exactly what form it takes, I don't know, but I'd, I'd fully expect that there's a lot of change in terms of the way, um, if you like, the, 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 the experience of watching a game is delivered. Um, so by that I mean, if, even if you think of the more passive elements of literally just viewing a live match, um, clearly the, the number of, of devices, the number of platforms that's available through, I think will only increase. Um and like I said a moment ago, I can't see that social media won't play an integral part in that in the delivery of that. Um, the, the rights holders, be it the sorry, be it the, the Premier League, for example, or the Football League, um, or the individual clubs, um, recognise that in many ways, particularly you know at the higher ends where the vast chunk of the of the money tends to go, um, they're becoming very very powerful will have the potential to become very powerful broadcasters in their own right. And they have a ready-made, often very loyal fan base, so customer base already there and wanting that information. Um, you know, they've got kind of a lot of the loyalty and demand for subscription that a lot of normal businesses would absolutely kill for, really. So there's clearly going to be a lot of change in that. Um, equally, if you think of the way BBC innovated with the use of the iPlayer um, for events like the Olympics um, and the way that the likes of Wimbledon use social so effectively along with other means of delivery via broadcasters who they tend to partner with um, for people to get more insight and have a better experience at Wimbledon as an event. 
I think things like that would start to happen in football as well. So it might be that you've got a lot of kind of data and insights available to you during the live game via social news, for example, and that might be stats on players. The kind of thing that's sort of shown on Sky now, but you've potentially got access to much more sophisticated dashboard information if you want it while you're watching the game um, through either the same device or a different one. Um, clearly, there's a lot more being done in terms of enabling you know, genuinely quality Wi-Fi in stadiums now. So, you know, there are several clubs are now announcing that, they, you know, that they've got improved Wi-Fi via its various partners. That's going to change the, the sort of sharing and um, from people who are there at the game. Um, it's going to change the experience of people sat in the stands and are filming that. Um, and then equally, uh, I think it's just that... The, you know, you'll see, see teams grow in terms of internally, like who clubs recruit to be able to, you know, deliver that product. You know, clubs have their own, a lot of clubs have their own media teams, you know, video editing and so on. And um, like I say, they're now reliant a lot internally rather than on, for example, local press. Um, so... I think there's a hell of a lot of change, there's a hell of a lot of disruption. I don't think anyone knows quite where it'll go, but the whole idea is that, that you know everyone involved needs to keep the finger on the pulse so that they can be aware of the way the landscape does change, be aware of uh, different demands of their audience, and just try and adapt, you know, accordingly, and look how they can make it work for them. Well, this has been brilliant, Jeff. Uh, it's a, a very, very interesting insight into something I think we can all agree is become a massive part of society and a massive part of what we do on every every day and a massive part of football. Um, the, the last question I've got for you is just what what advice could you offer to new researchers coming through or people in similar positions just starting a PhD um, and, and why should people join the collective? Um, couple of things really. I think if you're interested, it's basically if you're curious about an area um, you know, so again, kind of going back a number of years now, um, Facebook and Twitter, you know, at that time, uh, YouTube were very new. They were, you know, clearly there was a massive amount of momentum developing, and it was obvious to, um, I suppose, anyone involved in digital marketing in any way that this wasn't just a fad, it was something that was really, really going to fundamentally change in some respects you know, how organisations communicated with their, their fans, their customers. And sport, for me, was a big opportunity in that area um, because it's quite tribal and everything else. So I think if you're curious about anything, um, you know, new, new trends, um, for example, you know, there may well be people who are considering looking at research into blockchain, you know, and I'd be very interested to myself even from a personal point of view to understand if clubs are looking at that in any way um, you know and how they might utilise that for both uh, their benefits and the benefits of fans um, you know so any new developments like that that are coming down down the line um, that people are curious about I think sport is a great way to sorry a great context to explore something like that in um, because sport itself is dynamic you've often got that passion and loyalty towards an individual or a team, um, you know. So it's a it's 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 a good context in which to explore things. I think um, 
anyone going into any kind of research, you just go into it with a completely open mind. You have an idea of what you want to um, kind of explore, but you don't always know where, where the results, where the data is going to lead you. So I think being flexible um, and being open to learning, you know, all the time. In terms of the collective, it's genuinely one of those very rare groups where people are, no matter how experienced or new they are in, uh, sort of football-related research, actively collaborate. Um, it's a really, really supportive community of people, you know, anywhere in the world, to be quite honest, um, and a mix of kind of pure academic practitioners who've got involved in academia, like me, for example, students. You know, it's an ex- extremely and incredibly uh, uh, kind of um, open and inclusive community. Um which is quite different to a lot of others that you might find, you know, in other disciplines. Um, so it is called collective for a reason, and you know, and it, it does work in that way. It's very, very positive movements indeed. So for the final time, uh, just like to say thank you for coming on, Jeff. Um, it's been a really, really interesting insight. Uh, to hear more stuff like this, get yourself to the conference in November. Tickets are available on Eventbrite. And we'll see you, hopefully, at Hamden Park. Cheers, Josh. Cheers.